I published the app to the Chrome Web Store publicly. I wasn't really expecting anyone else to use it. There's a lot of recommendations in there. So you, you go to install an application in the Chrome Store and immediately there's like four other similar apps listed below. So Insomnia's main competitor is, and still is, Postman, which has millions of users at this point. The way it went was people would go to the Chrome Store, they would install Postman, and then below it they would see, oh, what's like, there's this app called Insomnia, which is similar. It's also a REST client, an API tool. Um, maybe I'll try it out. My name is Greg Shire, and I am the creator and founder of Insomnia. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today how Greg Shire built a way for developers to interact with the part of the internet not made for humans. All this and more on Code Story. Greg Shire grew up in a small town without a lot of opportunity. He rode BMX bikes and skateboards and spent a lot of time building ramps and jumps for them both. At that time, he had no idea what programming entailed. He went to university, and it was at that point that he learned about programming, after spending some time in mechanical engineering. He recently moved outside of Montreal into a house with chickens, and he now finds himself getting into homesteading, gardening, and woodworking creating many improvements around his place to increase the quality of life. The way he describes it, he's midway to a life change towards analog hobbies away from the digital world and the city. While he was working for a company making a transactional email API, he realized that they didn't have a good way to interact with said API. There needed to be an easier way to interact as a customer, as a developer, etc. His tool, which ended up taking off, was born out of trying to solve this problem. This is the creation story of Insomnia. Insomnia is a desktop application to help developers like myself interact with data-driven APIs. So like, you might have an API that you like use JSON to fetch data and to like make changes. Um, you might have a GraphQL API or you might just have like simple APIs that take HTML form input. The way I describe it to like my family members who aren't technical is I built like a web browser for interacting with the part of the internet that's not meant for humans to read. So all this data going back and forth, um, it's really hard to work with. So you kind of need a tool to make it friendlier to a human. So Insomnia lets you set up requests. You can put all your data in there and it formats it really nicely, makes it easy to add authentication. So OAuth, other types of authentication like that, which it's if you have to do it manually, it's a huge nightmare. Um, you have to read white papers and stuff, um, RFCs to figure out how it all works. Insomnia makes that really easy. Uh, so you can just go in there, get started with an API, maybe using the Stripe API, maybe Shopify, something like that, or you're building your own API and you just need some way to easily interact with it and test it out. So Insomnia basically makes all those tasks easier for a regular person to do. 
And the way I got started with that, I was working at basically my first job after university, my first tech job was with a company called Send With Us. We were making a transactional email API. So you send data with some variables in it, like first name, um, maybe a list of shopping cart items, and we'd render off an email in real time and send it through your email service provider. So we were essentially building an API for our customers, and we didn't really have a good way to interact with it day to day. So say a customer would have a problem getting started with the API, or we'd be building a feature. We need some way to test that out um, and make sure it works, try different things. Um, if it's a customer problem, we need to debug it. So we need a quick way to fire up an API request, send some data and see what happens. So Insomnia was essentially born out of that problem. Initially, it started as just a simple application we needed to send JSON to an API and see a JSON response. So that's exactly what I built. Let's switch to the MVP. Tell me about the MVP. Um, what sort of tools you used and the process you went through to bring it to life? Yeah, so the MVP was really quite a, a simple product. Um, I think it took maybe a couple days to create the first like working version. And then after a week, I actually published it publicly for others to use. So the MVP was essentially the minimum viable product for my team and myself to use. So we had an API that we were working with. It was it accepted JSON and returned JSON. The only thing that I built was an app where you could create requests. You can add an API key to the request for authentication. You could add your JSON to the request body, and then you could send off the request and get a response. And it would do some nice syntax highlighting for you. It'd format the responses nicely. But all that took, I guess, probably a weekend. And then I published it mostly for my team to use. I published it to the Chrome Web Store just for distribution so I can, like my team members could receive updates. So that was the MVP, uh, very simple. And my team basically was up and running using a new tool in a week. And we were like, much more productive after that. So you know, with any MVP, you've got to make decisions and trade-offs, right? In the early days where you have to cut features or take on technical debt. And, and I can kind of perceive some that you may mention, but tell me about some of those trade-offs you had to make in the beginning and how did you cope with those decisions? It's interesting because I wasn't building the product for anybody else at the start. So I wasn't thinking about long-term at the time, I guess is my point. So I wasn't really aware of what the impacts of those decisions would be. Like one of the biggest ones early on was like, I used jQuery and I just whipped together like a really, really messy web application, not really understanding that I would be maintaining it later on. So I guess that would be the biggest trade-off, but that's, I mean, that was the tool that I used at the time that I was comfortable with. So it allowed me to get up and running really quickly. And I think like not having built it for anybody else sort of made that decision much easier. Cause I think it's really easy to like start a product. You're like, oh, all these people are gonna use it. It's gonna need to scale. I'm gonna need to build it with technology that's easy to change later. Um, so you end up thinking a lot more, maybe unnecessarily about those things. But since I was just building it for myself and my team, I wasn't thinking beyond the scope of that. I just used the tools that were most productive and maybe not necessarily the most intelligent choices for the long term. 
let's let's move forward then. How did you progress the product from there? And you know, I'm interested in product progression, maturation, and then how you built you know your roadmap. How you figured out what was the next most important thing to build. Like I mentioned, I published the app to the Chrome Web Store publicly. I wasn't really expecting anyone else to use it. I think because like the Chrome Store had so much. There's a lot of recommendations in there. So you you go to install an application in the Chrome Store, and immediately there's like four other similar apps listed below. So Insomnia's main competitor is and still is Postman, which has millions of users at this point. So I think the the way it went was people would go to the Chrome Store, they would install Postman, and then below it they would see, oh, what's like there's this app called Insomnia, which is similar. It's also a REST client, an API tool. Um, maybe I'll try it out. So I'm pretty sure that's that's sort of what spurred the initial growth of users. I think after maybe a year, a year after publishing it live, there was maybe like a thousand to three thousand users, like real people using it. And I made it really easy to send feedback once I started noticing that people were installing it. So I was getting emails in my inbox of like, "Hey, this is really cool, but it's pretty simple." I'm really excited to see where it goes. Can you like? Here's all my feedback. In the early days, like I remember getting emails that were like 1,000, 2,000 words long of people who were obviously really, really excited about the app and its direction, and just sort of talking back and forth with those people. Like that's what drove the roadmap initially. So that sort of got it out the door, and eventually I ended up quitting my job to focus on it full time, and then. Subsequently, I open sourced the product, so that also helped with like really start getting feedback from like a bigger community, and also getting more participation from people who could like suggest things, but also actually implement the thing that they're suggesting. For Insomnia, um, you know, if it being open sourced, you you kind of had an open source team, but did you have an Insomnia dedicated team? Uh, no, so I was the only person working on it for the first, I would say, I think it was four years, maybe five years. There were a few major open source contributors, maybe like two or three. They made a, a, like a really big impact by adding, like, I think one of the first major open source contributions was the addition of OAuth authentication. I mean, I don't, I didn't want to learn it, so it was nice that someone just came in and added it for the product, and it really benefited from there. But yeah, it was just me for the first five years, and it wasn't until Insomnia was acquired that I I ended up sort of inheriting a team.、Um, but I was also able to、uh, hire someone from the open source community, and that was really really exciting and really cool. After the acquisition, I worked on it for about a year, and now I'm I have since moved on.、Um, so I didn't spend too much time with a team on Insomnia relative to. Like the whole product's life cycle. So, as far as the major open source contributors, did you have any say over, you know, how people contributed, or, or talk to me about that? Maybe about were you able to, you know, kick people off if they were jerks, or <laughs> you know, if if they weren't coding well, or you know, if they were doing something to your product you didn't agree with? Tell me about that a little bit, and how did you how did you determine who was doing well and who wasn't? So when it comes to products, I think the most important thing that you can do is be as transparent as possible. The reason for that is it really builds trust with the people who you're interacting with. 
So one of the reasons I open sourced it in the first place was I wanted to be more transparent. I wanted to like have people be able to contribute with ideas or like actual code. I wanted to show people like this is what the app looks like. If you have any questions or concerns, you can just go look at it. And one of the other things I did as soon as I, I think it was right when I added a, a paid option, um, I actually also published all the financial data. So people could go on the website and see, oh, this is this is how much money the application is making. This is how many users it has. Basically anything that they wanted to know, they could find out or ask. And I think that really shaped the community in a positive way. So like for things like someone asking for a feature that didn't exist, because of the like the culture of transparency, it was really easy for me just to honestly and openly say my opinions of like what I thought about the feature, what it could do. I always framed it in the mindset of this is us building the feature. It has to benefit us, not like I don't want this. I don't think it's good. If someone had an idea, I would open up that question to the broader community so other people could participate. And even if I didn't agree with it, but the, but the community did, that was, I guess that was the best case scenario. Like that means the community is literally shaping the, the product. And I always loved it when that happens. This will be interesting because I'm not sure how it exactly applies, but I'm going to go for it. So tell me about scalability. Did you build this in the beginning to scale efficiently or were you fighting it as you grew or was it ever a factor? This is an interesting question and it's something that I did think about a lot because I, I was coming from like a startup that had like severe scaling issues. Like a customer would come on and like 10x the traffic and then we'd all of a sudden like our servers would be down. We'd have to scale things up, refactor things like really quickly to get things back in order. But with a desktop app, it's like those things don't really exist. You sort of have the code architecture scaling, which I think I was fortunate to be building it, or I guess I rebuilt it shortly after React came out, which really helped with putting together a, a code architecture that was easy to understand and easy to contribute to, which also really helped the open source. Insomnia did have a server-side component. Its business model was you have this desktop application, you maybe have some team members, you want to share your application data with your other computers and with your team. So there was a data sync portion of that, but due to the nature of data sync, it's inherently fault tolerant. So if the data is not there, it's sort of like the sync system needs to be able to handle differences in data. So if you switch computers, your data gets pulled down and updated, everything gets back in sync. So if the server went down, even if it went down for an hour, you maybe would still be working in the application, but you wouldn't notice the outage unless you went to another computer to get the data or you tried to, or you were trying to share with your coworker in real time. So that sort of helped me sleep at night a little bit. I knew that I could survive a little bit of downtime. Uh, fortunately, the sync system was extremely simple and easy to scale because it's a, a like, fairly simple architecture and data model. And at that point, I had a little bit of knowledge about scaling so that they could handle that sort of traffic. So it never quite got to the point where it was like the sync portion was big enough to encounter some of the problems that I'd already worked with before. So it kind of it kind of worked out in a good way. I mostly got to work on the desktop app and not quite have to worry about actual scaling problems. 
I guess the other type of scale is different and diverse types of technologies. So like most of my time that wasn't dealing with scaling was dealing with different operating systems that I had to run on, different environments where maybe you have um, network proxies or you're behind a firewall or something like that. So I would say while those aren't typical startup scaling problems, it was a problem that I encountered once the application scaled to more users. So as you step out on the balcony and you look across what you built with Insomnia, what are you most proud of? I would say I am most proud of making that first hire from the open source community. I've always been really motivated and um, excited to help other people learn. I think learning is one of my favorite things in life, developing new skills and like mastering them. And if I can help someone else do that, like that's a huge win for me. Like help someone else experience the joy that I experience with what I do. So that first open source hire was huge. Like I reached out to him after the acquisition and I was like, we're looking at hiring some, like starting a team and I wanted to reach out to you first to see if you're interested. And he basically immediately said yes. But one of the awesome things was he told me later that the reason he said yes was because he wanted to experience what he experienced from the open source community in like a more in-person um, development team. He obviously had a good experience with open source and wanted to, I guess, have more of that. So, I mean, that, that just made me feel really good. And I hope I can experience that again. Well, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and perhaps the open source community or your team responded to it. I think the biggest mistake I made was... I mean, since most of the most of the product I was working by myself, for myself, there was an open source community, but it, I mean, that seemed to go pretty well for open source standards. But I would say my biggest mistake was not focusing on personal health as much as I should have. Creating a startup is hard work and you really have to dedicate a lot of yourself to it. And it's really easy to think that like the more you work, the faster it will grow. Um, and that was definitely my mindset. Like I saw the MRR increasing 20 or 30% a month and then slowly declining over the years. And I guess I thought that like the more I worked on it, the like if I just worked on it a little more, I can like bump this up a little bit more. But then I eventually got into this place where like I was under more and more work that I couldn't get out of. So like customer support, dealing with issues like technical debt that I just didn't have time to fix anymore. So I ended up sort of getting crushed under this rock of technical debt and work commitment that I, I just didn't have the ability to get out of. And then like that totally like wrecked my my health. I wasn't really exercising anymore. Um, I developed back problems. I developed like pretty severe burnout, which led to like mild depression. And like, it was just like a really, I was in a really bad spot. The acquisition really helped me. Like without that, I don't think, like I might've actually just stopped working on the project altogether. Um, so the acquisition sort of gave me that opportunity to get some more people on board, get help from others again, and just dig me out of that place. So normally I ask about, you know, what's the future look like for the product and for the team? Um, but tell me a little bit about the acquisition. Tell me how that went for you and, and how that process went and, and how you end up moving on. It kind of came out of the blue, although it was from somebody who... I had known a little bit in the past. So when Insomnia was like a hobby project, when I was still employed at Sen with us, Augie, who was now the, the founder, one of the co-founders of Kong, he reached out to me early on when he was running 
It was called Mashape at the time, an API marketplace. Um, he reached out and just wanted to sponsor the project. So I think he threw in like maybe a hundred bucks a month or something at the time just to support the project and to help it grow. But then when I when I eventually quit about a year later to go full time on it, I reached out to him again and I said, like, I'm gonna try and turn this into a business. I don't need the I don't need the sponsorship anymore. Thanks for the the support, but I'm gonna take this on my own. So then four years later, he reached out to me and catch up a little bit, but also I guess he noticed like because of the transparency in the open source, he saw that the project was growing really quickly and wanted to just like see if we could work together. Like I just told the story of, I was like really burnt out at the time. I really needed help. I wasn't really interested in building a team or hiring, but if I could just inherit a team and a company that already knew what they were doing, then that seems like a good deal for everyone. And if I can get a little bit of a, a financial benefit from it and start improving my health again, then like that's a huge win. So that was essentially the story of the acquisition. That's amazing. So it just sort of fell in your lap through prior relationships. Is that is that pretty accurate? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, for all those people who are looking for advice, I would say the more you put yourself out there, whether it's like relationships or like writing, like sharing what you learned, the, the more opportunity will come your way. Um, it's just an odds game. And the more things you put out there, the higher there is a chance that like somebody will see something that you're doing and be interested. Well, let's switch to you, Greg. Who influences the way that you work? Name a, you know, a CEO, CTO, architect, really any person. Name a person that you look up to and why. I would say my biggest um, influence is from another indie developer like myself. His name's Marco Arment. He uh, makes an iOS app called Overcast, which is a podcast player. I've been following him since, I don't know, 2012 maybe, uh, when he was working on Instapaper, another, another app. And I've always just really admired his, I guess, dedication to making a singular product really good, but also in, in like a niche and as an indie. He sort of motivated me and inspired me to pursue that same path. And I can sort of look at what he was doing and just sort of realize that it was possible for me to do as well. He was always really open about technical decisions and choices and sort of being just really honest about like, nobody knows what they're doing. Here's the stuff that I'm doing. If you can do this, then you can also do what I'm doing. So like, just made me realize that like technical ability and like, you don't need an MBA to start a startup. You don't need to be a, like a super good engineer to make a really good product. You just need to continuously iterate and improve and always be thinking about the next thing. Um, and if you can do those things, then you can you can build a product that people really like. Um, so I'd say he's definitely my biggest influence and has been my biggest influence, um, even just getting into tech in general. So if you could go back to the beginning, when you first started building Insomnia, what would you do differently? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? There's definitely things I could have done earlier. The product Insomnia itself is fairly simple. Like when I, when I would talk about it, maybe three or more years in, I would sort of say that it's, it's basically done like as an, as an application and as a product, you can sort of do everything that you need. It's fairly niche and confined to a fairly simple use case. Like you want to interact with an API and see the data that it returns. But I think it was about three years in that 
I decided what if it could do everything or how could it do everything? If people wanted a feature, like a very niche feature, especially a feature that was too niche to benefit anyone else. I would still want it to fit every use case, but how would I be able to do that without literally implementing everything? So I made a plugin system. I mean, I don't know why I didn't think about it earlier on, but it ended up solving that exact problem. The application could be kept fairly simple then if it had a plugin system, because if you needed anything like fairly niche that wasn't very useful to more people, then you can make a plugin for it. And that actually really helped lessen the load on me as well, because it was easier to say no if I could say no, but you can make a plugin or no, but there's this other plugin, which is very similar, which you can maybe use to get the job done. If I went back, I would have definitely done that sooner. Add a plugin system, get that community going earlier so that I could uh, focus more on the core aspects rather than um, getting in the weeds with some of the more niche, the niche side of things. Well, last question, Greg. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. They can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Well, I guess there's a question I would ask, which is why haven't you already launched it? Uh, <laughs> Like I think in general, when you're when you're trying to succeed, it's really hard to pick a path and go down it. Like I think you need to realize that the path is not laid out there before you start. And you don't even know what path you're going to be walking on. You just have to sort of start walking in the woods and stumble upon things and like just do as much as possible and talk to as many people as possible. I would say good job talking to me right now. Um, this is what you need to be doing, getting feedback on what you're, what you're building, talking to more people, putting stuff out there. And the more you put out there, the, the more chance there will be of somebody stumbling upon it or discovering something. Like maybe you write a blog post about something that you're not actually going to build, but you just have an idea and it ends up that people really uh, connect with that. And then you realize, oh, maybe I could build a product around this idea that I wasn't even thinking about like turning into a business or anything. So I guess my biggest piece of advice would just be to be as open and transparent and just talk about what you're doing um, because people will see that and they'll help you, uh, help guide you along the right path. That's great advice. Well, Greg, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of insomnia. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Noah. It was fun. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash codestory for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.